In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. The church calendar always keeps the last Coptic month, um, and then the, what they call the short month, to be dedicated to uh, readings about the end. Um, and the end of the world is, is emphasized, because there will be one, we do believe in that. Um, and also, um, it's a time for people to reflect on, on their own end, right? Is that it's the end of, this is the end of the, of the calendar. Almost all of the Eastern cultures, their new year began in September. I think it's good to talk about death. I mean, both of them are worth talking about, like the, the teachings about the Antichrist and the end are their own, but also about our own death, because I think we tend to save talking about death for funerals. Um, and at funerals, everyone's super depressed. Um, and focused on the person who died. And it's sometimes surprising for me, maybe more as a priest now than before, at how surprised people seem to be at death, um, as though we weren't expecting it to happen. When the one certainty of, of life um, is, is, is death, not to be morbid, but from the minute a person's born, the process of dying <laughs> begins, right? It's an immediate um, thing. And the importance of remembering death is emphasized mostly by the Desert Fathers, but it's good to have in our minds as Christians at all times our end, right? Everything faces a test. If you, for example, develop a new drug, right, you're going to go through clinical trials, you're going to do all sorts of things. But if you skip a step, Right? If you think, oh, this is not a big deal, this side effect, whatever, that's not going to be a problem, right? Or one guy had a heart attack, but that was probably fluke, right? One day it's going to hit the market, right? And that's, that's your test. That's your day of reckoning, right? Because if you get 10 people who reported this, goodbye to everything that you did, right? Everything that you did in, in confidence that you thought was worth it. Or if you think of a, of a home project or of a... Of a of a product that you're trying to work on. Let's say you're trying to build a staircase. If you build a staircase, right, you're going to have to care about how much weight can it hold, right? You're going to need to care about the quality of the, of the screws. You're going to need to care about the temperature, right, because of the materials that could affect the thing that you're walking on, right? You're going to care about what are the weights and ages of the people in the house that, that, that are going to use it, right? Because what if I built a really nice one that can only hold five pounds, right? Then all of these things are things that need to matter. Or what if I notice as I'm building it that there is a loose screw? And I say, whatever, there's enough here to, to bear the weight. There's going to be a day of testing when that thing is used, right? There's going to be a time where what you decided to do with that whether you decided to ignore it or not ignore it, is going to be exposed and manifested, right? And that's going to be what matters. So you can build the most beautiful staircase. You could lace it with gold. You can put remote controls that help it carry your coffee mug. You can do whatever you want to do. You can soup it up to your heart's galore. But at the end of the day, if it's not built right, it's going to collapse regardless of how beautiful it looks. And the same is true for life. It ends. Right? There is a day of, of reckoning, and there's a confrontation that occurs where the question becomes presented to you of what did you do? What did you do with this, with this project of life? What did you do with this gift of life that was given to you? 
And even more important for the question is that immortality is not a right of human beings, right? By, by, by nature, anything created is mortal, right? By nature, anything created must die. So any, any thought or concept of, of, of resurrection is, is foreign to our actual nature, right? That's not something that belongs to something that's mortal. But man was created mortal, right? Man was created from, from, from nature, right? And from dust and to dust man returns. But God gifted man right away with immortality, right? And said, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give humans something that doesn't belong to the human, right? I'm gonna allow the human to live forever if he abides in me, right? And again, not in a, not in a tyrannical way, right? But, but one of indwelling, one of communion. I was saying, by virtue of me living in you, because I can't die, no matter how hard I try, it's impossible for me, right? By, by my dwelling in you and you and me, you're gonna have this life. But you can't live in me if you don't use this thing that I designed well, right? And it's not because of, of me being disgusted by you. It's because this is impossible for my nature to be in communion with this thing that doesn't want me, right? So if I, Again, to use this design analysis thing, if I start to, to scratch my car, it's gonna rust, right? If I put cheap gas in a premium car, I'm gonna do damage. It might not be an immediate death, but I'm doing damage. And so God, by nature of being perfection, by virtue of being light, can't coexist in darkness because where he is, darkness cannot be. It's something that can't be. And so we lost our immortality by our transgressions not in a punitive sense, but in a consequential sense. And because of this, right, man wanted immortality back. And God told man beforehand, here's what happens, right? When you do these things, you die, right? Not I'm gonna kill you, but when you do these things that you're gonna die. But man actually decided to live as though he's immortal. Right? He lost mortality, but he lived like he was immortal. Right? He started to worry about kingdoms and conquests and, and, and fame and food and fortune and, 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 and all the, the really carnal things. And God kept on outreaching man, saying, let's, let's fix this death issue. Right? Let's, like, let's fix the thing that caused you your, your problem. And man was like, thanks God, we're, we're okay. Right? We're, we're, we're good. Right? And so God kept on trying in various ways with the whole world. The world kept, kept refusing. We've talked about this a lot, especially during Holy Week. And eventually, God comes himself to fix the death problem. Right? He's like, okay, I, I will be you. I will show you what I meant to be you. I will show you what I designed you to be by being it. Right? I've, I've sent you people to tell you. I'm going to show you. Right? And while I'm there... <laughs> Right? I'm going to take in my flesh this death thing that you guys go through, and I'm going to fix it. And I'm going to give you a solution that you can, all, you can once again have communion with me, and you can once again be immortal if you want. Right? But sin still does the same thing. Right? It's not something that's, that, that changed. When people talk about an Old Testament versus New Testament God, they talk about it like there was suddenly God is okay with sin in the New Testament. God hasn't changed his view on sin. Right? God, God just lives in you. He gave you solutions for sin, but he didn't stop hating what disease is doing to his kids. Right? He, didn't, he didn't stop being angry that something is killing his child. Right? That's not what he wants for us. But God came and fixed it, but men still choose to die. Right? Is that we still, 
we still look for the carnal thing. So if you look at the nation of Israel, and this is where our, the gospel is today, right? They went through all of this, right? They went through, they had prophets, they had kings, they had all these things, right? They had the Messiah himself come, and they're like, we're, we're good, thank you, we don't even like you. Um, and so our Lord is telling them, well, your day of reckoning is here. This is the day of the Lord that we talk about all through Holy Week, right? Your day of reckoning is here because I'm theoretically your master, right? And so... I sent my servants, like in the parable that he gave them. Now I'm the son. I'm, I'm, I'm the guy in the parable, and I'm here to visit my vineyard. And you are my people, and you don't know me. And you've rejected me, um, which is no problem. Those who are willing to take me, I'll give them what they want. For those who don't, you don't. That's, that's your choice. Right? And he's like, but the day of reckoning for this nation is coming, because I had this nation for a purpose. I didn't give you a nation for the sake of just having a nation. I was using it as a nation to show the whole world that I'm the God of everyone. I'm here. You've rejected. So that's why it says this generation is not going to pass before this comes to pass, is that within 30, 35 to 40 years of, of, of him saying this, Jerusalem was destroyed. Right? Jerusalem was destroyed. The walls were, were broken down, and the Jews were actually sent into exile, which they remained into whether you want to say 1940, whatever it was, or till now is up to you, but that's a fact, that's a historical fact, right? Is that, like, no, you're not a nation before me anymore. My nation is going to be different. And what our Lord challenges us to do is to find out what real life is about. Right? It's like you're, 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 you're physically alive, but you're not, you're not alive. And in the Gospel of John in particular, he goes through this. St. Mark's Gospel is more about the, the impending doom, right, of, of warning the people of the, this, is, this is not the right place anymore, right? You need to believe in this person. But our Lord tells us, I am the Father. I and the Father are one, right? I come from the Father. I'm in the bosom of the Father, right? And the bosom is a very, it's a place of... Um, of intimacy, right? You can't just go and lean against anyone's chest, or if you did, you might not be well received. Um, but it's not a thing, right, to go to someone's house and just lay down with your head on someone's lap, right? That's a position of, of total intimacy, right, of, of, of affection. And in, in Mediterranean culture, it was a symbol of saying, you're the closest to my heart. You know the inner workings of me. You know what I think. Um, you know what my thoughts are. You know what my plans are. You are right there. You're, you are with me. So our Lord is saying, that's where I come from, right? He's speaking in a language that they understand. God doesn't have a bosom, okay? But he's saying it to them so they understand. It's like, I am the mind of the Father. I am deeply in, I am in him. There's nothing that's his that's not me. There's nothing that's his that's not mine. There's nothing he knows I don't know. And so I'm here to remind you of why, why you exist, right? Because you didn't exist arbitrarily, right? It's, it's that these people, they focused on the staircase, and they forgot what a staircase was for. It became an ornamental thing of like, did you see the holy staircase, right? That was originally meant to just move people up and down the floor, right? But now it's like, oh no, we have a remote. It's beautiful, right? There's no, there is no staircase like this. And it's covered in gold and jewels and fine whatever, right? And, and you can live stream the game if you want while you're on the staircase, right? And, it's, and, and people completely forget what is the point. So there's somebody coming back like, I, I designed this. Um, this, this wasn't what it was for. Um, I'm glad you're enjoying it, but you're forgetting what it's for, right? And in fact, at the beginning it was an enjoyment, but then later on it was like, let's actually, we're kind of running out of firewood. Or, you know what, actually, I could use some of this gold to make a necklace for my friend. And actually it started becoming a desecration 
of this thing. So not only did it lose its original function, but even what had made it beautiful was now what cheapened it, right? It was now something that was looked at with contempt, right? And so our Lord was coming to say, let me give dignity back to this thing and show you what it really is. You guys, you're obsessed with a whole bunch of things. You want fake things, right? So there are people who wanted free food, right? So you have people who would come in and like, um, and he says it to them, he's like, you're not here because of who I am, you're here because you ate, right? And so he's like, no problem. I'm going to feed you, but I still want you to understand what is the true bread, right? This is fake bread. I'm going to have true bread, right? When he meets a Samaritan woman, it's like, you're, you're lost, you're addicted, okay? You're addicted to what you're doing, and so you're struggling, right? You're coming here laboring for something. I can give you the real thing. You're, you're putting in the labor for fake water. I can give you real water, right? When, when the man who's there by the pool saw him, all he wanted... All he wanted was for, for someone to fix him, right? He didn't care what his life was supposed to be for. He just wanted to be fixed, right? Which is why he was so single-minded that even when our Lord says, do you want to be healed, right? You'd think that a normal gentleman would just be like, yes, please, right? But his re reaction was like, I've been trying for 38 years and no one is helping me, right? And then, and then when he gets healed, his reaction wasn't, oh, thanks, that's really nice of you, right? What am I supposed to do? His reaction was to just go do his thing. And then when he saw that there was conflict about the guy who healed him, he didn't even cover the guy who healed him. He was like, oh, I'll tell you who the guy was, right? And, and, and points him out. So there are those of us who are, are like that. Like, we miss the point, even those of us who are religious. These are religious examples, right? Who are in it being like, oh, I'm in it because if I'm with Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into med school, right? I'm going to make it all the way. I'm going to be so successful. I'm never going to be poor because Jesus is my God. I'm not going to have problems. And then when, when I do have a problem and God says, hey, do you want help? I have this angry reaction, right? Be like, yeah, obviously, I want help. Right? It's like, oh, okay, did, did you want to know why you have a problem? Not really. Um, as long as you fix it so I can go do my thing. Thanks for coming out, Jesus. Right? This is, this is the way that some of us interact. It's, it's fake. There are some who want truth but aren't comfortable with it. Right? We see people like Nicodemus um, or Zacchaeus. Right? People who weren't sure completely where they stood at the beginning but were willing to interact. They were good. And then there were those who cared only for the legalities, right? the Pharisees. Of they, wanted, they wanted the system. Right? Those are the people who, like are screaming and yelling at the person who walked up, not standing directly in the center on the way up because they're concerned that this person's going to break it if they lean left or right, right? And they forget the point of the thing that they have. These are the people who, who hoard their money and forget that this wasn't meant to just be for selfish reasons. But they miss the point of living. In various ways, they miss the point of living, right? And which is why our Lord keeps saying, I have come that you might have life, and they have it more abundantly. Right, which, which was way over everyone's heads. Because what he's saying is if you live according to the flesh, um, it, that flesh is going to die. Right? That's why he's confronting them. Right? He's saying th this is mortal. All these things that you're worshipping are mortal. You're obsessed with mortality. And mortality by definition is death, period. Right? There's no qualification for that. So if you're living for something that becomes void of meaning, how void of meaning is your life? If everything you're living for is actually meaningless, 
then what is the meaning of your life? Right? This is what the challenge is that Christ is bringing to them. It's a fact. You can own a huge company. Right? You can be an amazing inventor. You can buy stocks in a company before it gets big. Right? You could save your child from some horrible disease, but your child will still die. Right? You might have the life-saving surgery that the most amazing of science has provided glory to God in all things, but your kid will die. There will come a day when that's going to happen. So what are you living for? Right? This is the confrontation of life and death that we have to put before us. It's scary, and it, and it should be if you haven't thought about it. Right? it. It isn't when you live for it. If you live for the real life, which is what Christ kept saying, then everything changes. Our Lord spoke about real things. He was like, your water, it's fake. I'll give you real water. Your light, it's fake. I'll show you real light. I am true light. You think you know joy? I am the source of real joy. You think that's a shepherd? I am the good shepherd. Right? I am the real way. And then he pointed at himself and said, I'm light, I'm life. Which, which was a very bold claim. Right? That wasn't a philosophical statement of our Lord. It was a very bold claim. So you have to seek truth because it's life, because he is life. In everything that you do, a person ought to ask, what is the objective of the thing that I'm doing? What is the truth of the thing that I'm, that I'm considering or doing? Whether it's your work choices, your spouse choices, the school club you're going to join, the way you answer someone at work, what you choose to do with your money, what city you choose to move for. In all things, ask, what is it for? What is the objective of it? What does it mean? Where does this lay in the reality of our, of our being? Does it have an objective pur purpose, or is it entirely relative? If you have a neglect over your design, you certainly will find death, right? If you are neglectful of health, you will be overcome by disease. These are, these are, just, these are factual, these are objective, right? It doesn't matter if you believe in microbes to be affected by microbes, right? Microbes aren't waiting for your profession of faith about them, right? They're going to do their thing whether you want them to or not. It doesn't matter if you don't believe that a knife is sharp or that your skin is going to be sensitive to a knife. If you chop off your hand, it's not going to stay there. It's going to be chopped off, right? There are things that are just facts, right? And these are things we have to confront even if they make us uncomfortable, right? It's not about selective choice in, in truth. And so this is why it, it, it behoves humans, right? It behoves us as, as humans to seek the higher truth, to ask the deep questions of existence, the questions of why one is alive and where life came from. And if we didn't make our own lives, then what is it that we live for? And then ask if what I'm living for matches that or not. Are the decisions that I make in line with what I claim to be my goal? Right? Many Christians say, oh, I, I, I live for Christ, but do we? Right? Do we, do we really do that? When the people of Israel, the chosen church of God, lived according to the flesh, they looked for God in buildings. Right? What the people of Israel did is they said, well, you know what? We live in palaces now. We have a kingdom. Right? So King David says, I have a nice house. God, I want to make you a house. Um, and, and God says, yeah, that's fine with me. I lived in a tent. Like, I'm, I'm chilling. Um, but he's like, no, 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 Lord, I want you to have what I have. As, th as though, really, like, we could offer God something, but it was out of his modesty, right? So his son built him one, and then they compelled God to live there. 
life no longer became of God. Before he was put in the temple, before they shoved God into his corner, right, and made it a, as what we would say today, um, a balanced life of some time for God, right, and then some time for everything else, right, as opposed to everything through God, they said, hey, God, how about you live in this room over here, right? And that's when, the, that's when everything started to go wrong. They said, God is going to speak from this spot over here, even though before that he was with the people, among the people, and they could see his glory in all things, right? And they said, no, we want you to sit in this cubby hole. And when the temple fell apart, when they started to live for mortality, when instead of their focus being on the Lord their God, it became on victory and war, success, nations, um, bowing to them and prestige and all of these things that we all do in various ways, right? There's the Jewish histories tell us that the, the Ark of the Covenant was stolen from the temple when they destroyed it. It was gone. And so the place of speaking of God, the Holy of Holies in the temple, when they rebuilt the temple, it didn't have the ark in it. And the name for this was called the dubar. The dubar meant, meant, meant speech, it meant word. In Greek, it's logos, right? And they said, this was the speech place of God. This was, the, this was where God spoke from, right? This is where we can, we, can, we can hear the divine. But when they lived in death, the word of God was gone. Right? There was no speech coming forth from the temple. Nobody could hear the word of God, literally and metaphorically. There was no prophet that arose for 400 years. There was no ark in the place. And so when, the, when a priest would go to the Holy of Holies, he could not claim to hear the words of God. There was none there. And this is why our God said, I'm going to tear down that temple and I'm going to raise it up. Right? And in the place of death, in the place of this empty um, place where the ark should be were two angels, right? Two, two statues of angels. And this is what St. Mary Magdalene saw, the, the, the reading we read almost every single Sunday morning, um, when she went into the tomb and saw an angel sitting on either side and a concrete slab in the middle. Because she was still looking for the word of God in the place of death, right? That was still where she was looking for. And Christ had said, I'm going to destroy that and I'm going to raise it up. And he was talking about himself because he was saying, it's me. I am the Logos, right? I am the Word. I am, I am the Dubar, and I am life. If you look for me in the places of the dead, you won't find me. If you look for me in these things that you preoccupy yourselves with, you won't find me. You won't hear me. You have to come to me. I am the access point of life. The Dubar is the Logos, and he's not dead. And all of us can and will overcome death if rooted in him. I've come that you have life, and more abundantly, anyone who abides in me lives. There's a, there's a monk that I know who's now actually a bishop, and he was, a, he was a hermit in a cave for at least 20 years straight. He hadn't gone to the city once since he entered the monastery. And I used to go hike out to, to visit him um, to get words. And I noticed that like when he was doing some work, he would occasionally pull out a piece of paper, read it, and put it back in his pocket. And I was like, what's your paper say? He said, death. Um, and so I thought that was morbid. But he was like, I I'm going to die, and I forget. Whenever I have a stray thought, whenever I have a thought that, that I think is, is wrong, if ever I have wrong feelings, I pull it out. Because I have one in my pocket, I have one on my work table, I have one in another place. And he's like, because then I, I, I bring the objective back in front of me and I remember this is, this is going somewhere. 
And this was the instruction of his father, St. Anthony, right? St. Anthony the Great, the, the best saint in the world. Um, he said, he said that every single person before he sleeps say to himself, I may not live until the morning. And that every person when they arise say, I may not live until the evening. And he goes, if you do this, you're not ever going to do wrong, right? If you do this, you're going to always remember what the point is, right? And the point is that you're designed, is to come back to that, to live right, is to be who you're designed to be. You are a son or daughter of God, right? You are in his spiritual image and likeness. This is, this, he gifted you his DNA, right? When we adopt people today, right, which, which people view as a beautiful thing that people do, you can't give them your DNA, right? You, you, can, you, can, you can treat them as your biological children, but factually speaking, you can't give them that. God gave us that, right? God said, I'm going to give you something that's completely foreign to you. So use it. Use it right. You live in the dignity of your design, right? The image and likeness of God is so simple. It's to love God above all and your neighbor as yourself. Imagine a world if that's how we lived. Imagine the joy of the world if everybody lived trying to fight to give to other people and not to take. This is what it means to live in Christ. Christ is life and outside of him is death. Christ is light and outside of him you can't see. You may think you're seeing, but you're not seeing. Ask yourself and reflect on whether or not you are rooted in truth or if you are rooted in yourself. Ask yourself if you are someone who can hear his voice and discern and remember that death for those who live in life is only a moment and nothing else. For those who live according to the flesh, it is the moment of reckoning and of fear. May God grant us to pursue life, to live in him, to abide in him, that we may live more abundantly. To him be glory now and always into the age of all ages. Amen.